right, you got your camera, you got a bag, you ready to go? Jump on in, we're heading down the road. My name's April, and I'm an award-winning landscape photographer and tour guide. I've been leading small group photo tours for over 20 years. For photographers, non-photographers, and anyone else that just likes to go for a great trip. So welcome to my podcast, Eyes for the Road. Today I'm excited to catch up with Jack Lean, who's been living and photographing on the Palouse for over 30 years. He offers a dozen different photo tours capturing the four seasons and night skies. So let's get started. Owner and tour leader with four seasons photo tours. I believe he was the first to start leading photography tours in the region of the Palouse up in Washington State. He's also a professional nature photographer, and he's just an incredible photographer and all around the best person I would suggest for taking a tour of the Palouse if you want to go photographing. So I've got lots of information to share, and so does Jack. So he's on the line. We're talking to him from Washington today, so I apologize if the phone line gets a little staticky. We'll try to keep it as clean a recording as possible. So, Jack, thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you. So, why don't you start and share a bit about your journey into photography? Yeah, that's a question I'm asked a lot, especially by many of my clients. Um, I started dabbling in photography about 40 years ago and uh, primarily was documenting you know, some of my travels and doing a lot of wildlife photography. And then over the t- over time, I ended up you know, wanting to share more and more of my images with people. Yeah, and just about a little over 40 years now, I've been in the Palouse. Uh, uh, we also have a home in, in western Washington where we come during the winter, but uh, and we pretty much long-term residents of the Palouse. I've been you know, doing uh, you know, the tours and photographing the Palouse you know, for well over 20 years right now, and um, but you know, I've been in photography a little over 40 years ago. Wonderful. So this summer you were very busy. Um, I think you offer the most diverse listing of Palouse photography tours and workshops. So you want to tell us a little bit about the differences in the workshops and tours? Oh, sure. Um, again, over, over the years, getting more and more uh, crowded, I guess I'll say, you know, on the, on the plus. Uh, a few years ago, we probably had just a couple thousand uh, people coming to the plus photographing. But now I, and this is my estimation, that a few years ago, Africa was the number one destination for landscape photographers. Um, now I think the number one destination is Iceland. I think close second is the Palouse, and, and for me, it's really amazing, um, you know, to see that many people, you know, discover the Palouse and come in there, you know, to photograph the incredible landscape. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I what I offer on the Palouse, uh, I usually offer like five workshops, uh, you know, tours slash workshops. And the difference, by the way, is that some people want a tour. I get a lot of professionals that come to the Palouse. And they want me just to get into locations and leave them alone and let them do their work. And then I get a lot of people, you know, I would say the majority of people that come out there uh, are wanting to photograph, but they also need some assistance in Mm -hmm. operating their camera, you know, composing, you know, the shot uh, or the shots they're trying to accomplish or or capture. Um, 
So in, in June, I, I offer five you know, photo tours slash workshops. And then in July, I offer one combination, I call it a post-photo tour slash night workshop. Now, the, the, the skies in the Palouse during, during the summer are incredible. You get the Milky Way out there. You almost reach up and touch the stars. And so over the last few years, I've introduced uh, night photography on the Palouse. And so the July tour slash workshop is one where uh, my clients come to the Palouse and they, they spend about five hours every day you know, shooting you know, the iconic landscape and barns and mm-hmm. grain elevators and lone trees, uh, and again, by during the daylight hours. But then we go out and we shoot the night sky you know, from about 10 p.m. until about 2 in the morning. Oh, and wow. uh, yeah, and that that includes. Um, I take everybody to what I call my my favorite locations. Most of these are on private land, and so um, we're out there. We're you know, we're photographing uh, the Milky Way over a windmill, over an old vintage vehicle, or over lone trees, grain elevators, silos, just a variety of things. And um, uh, then you know, a lot of people that come to the place, you know, are are, are new to night shooting. So right. nobody's expected to come there knowing how to shoot the night sky. But I find it very addictive. A lot of people come out there, they're a little apprehensive, but once they do it, they're hooked. And they want to do more of it, as I, don't, as I want to do more of it. Yes. And okay. I offer a uh, what they call a, a harvest workshop on the Plus, And that's pretty exciting because all colors have changed. All the fields are golden. And uh, but during my harvest workshop... I, I get my my clients into a a field. Uh, there's, there's a particular uh, group of uh, farmers that get together every year, and they do what they call a harvest bee, and um, and there might be from five to seven to eight combines, and they're working a particular field. Wow. And so you know, my clients get to ride in the combines, ride in the wheat trucks, ride in tractors, but they get to experience firsthand you know, what it's like to harvest the Palouse. And uh, that's using all-day event. And uh, it's, a, it's a fun experience, too, because a lot of people, you know, come from the, the big cities. They've never been on a farm. They get to meet the farmers. But, again, they get to, you know, photograph the cutting of the grain, you know, the, the, the dumping of that grain into a wheat truck, the wheat truck going to the Snake River, the unloading of that at a major you know, grain elevator on the Snake River, and then there are barges there that get to you know, see the wheat being uh, unloaded or loaded into these these barges that will then transport the wheat to Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. And so, again, so it's, a, it's a fun workshop. Again, that's just for one day. And then the other days, we're out photographing the iconic, you know, plus landscape and, and buildings and barns and... Uh, just a variety of things that the police has to offer. And then I also do uh, a lot of private uh, workshops or tours, I'll call them. Right. And they're usually one to two days long. Some oh. people just can't come right. into the police and photograph you know, for five days. So, you know, I'm doing a number of those throughout the summer. And I've been doing a lot of what we now call our night workshops or night sessions. So people come, you know, to our, our particular farm, which is known as Wheatland Farm. Mm-hmm. And they get to learn how to photograph, you know, you know the night sky. Now that might sound like rather simple, but it really isn't. I mean, so you got, you got to get out there and learn how to focus in the dark and have to compose in the dark, 
But once you get down, get a few of those essential you know, components down, then it's pretty, you know, pretty exciting. Oh, get, yeah. You know, so, yeah, so we, we have, for instance, a, a windmill on our property. And, and when the Milky Way goes over the top of it, and you're just using existing light and that 25-second exposure, you know, it's pretty exciting to see that. That's incredible. And do you do some of your own photography still as well? Oh, I do. But one thing <laughs> I think it sets me apart from a lot of the, you know, there, there's just a variety of, of other groups coming to the place now offering workshops. And, and I think what sets me apart from a lot of those folks, well, I'm the only one that lives there on right. the police. And, and the other one is that I, I don't, I don't carry a camera when I'm with my, with my students or my clients. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not paying me to go out and capture my images and I'm there to help them. I usually go from, you know, you know, photographer to photographer, you know, adjusting their cameras or show how to adjust their cameras, how to compose. And um, so that's, again, that's kind of, a, kind of a good and bad thing for me. I mean, I get really excited to see the images my clients capture, but I'm not capturing my own images during that time. Right. But, uh, of course, living there, I can go at any time I want and I can photograph, um, you know, the night sky or I can photograph the harvest. So when you visit, when you revisit these areas, these familiar landscapes, are there things that still surprise you or catch you off guard, so to speak, that kind of continue that passion for taking people there? Yeah, and that's, that's a very good question. That's one of the things I think that people don't realize is that uh, every week things will change in the place. These crops are developing. They're changing colors. You know, in, in early June, for instance, you have a multitude of greens. Now, that mm-hmm. sounds a little strange. What do you mean a multitude of greens? Well, you've got you know, your winter wheat, which is a really dark green, and then you have your spring wheat, which is a little different shade of a green, and then you have your barley and all your other plants. And, uh, and the, that in contrast with possibly a canola field, um, you know, that might be in bloom. Mm-hmm. And so, again, when I go out to a location, that every time I, b- b- before I go out and do a, a workshop or a photo tour, I'm out there visiting the fields to make sure that nothing has changed, but of course that it had, and or to see what's now in bloom. And um, so, again, uh, every week it's different. Um, I was out last week with a group, and... Uh, it was during during the, the harvest workshop, and a lot of the fields, of course, were all golden. But there were a few uh, fields that were, still had a bit of green to them. Oh wow! And then, as you're watching, the, you know, the farmers as they're cutting their crop, that's creating patterns. Even after the crop has been cut, you know, there's still new possibilities of uh, of you know getting uh, new shots that they didn't get before it was harvested. What changes have you seen? In the Palouse in the last, say, 10 years? Because I think, like you said, I, I see the popularity has just increased. You go and type in Palouse now, there's so many people taking people there. It's just kind of crazy. That's that's a, a major issue. And uh, I say an issue, you know, I mean, I can see, you know, a lot of the uh, well-known photo instructors around the nation are now are coming to the Palouse. In fact, I can't think of one that's well known that's not coming there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's even people that that specialize in teaching bird photography that are offering plus workshops or photo tours. 
But again, the difference is there. They come there once a year, and they rely kind of on what they're going to find once they get there. And um, and you, you know, again, photography is about changing, uh, chasing the light, right? And knowing where the light is going to you know, strike your subject, and then knowing what fields have been planted, what have been plowed, you know, what's growing on those fields, how has it changed? Um, but uh, yeah, over the last, uh, especially like the last five years. We've gone from, I would say, oh gosh, uh, five years ago, probably about uh, uh, maybe 15 different groups to now about 45 to 50 different groups. And uh, with that comes some inherent problems. Um, Some of the the groups that are coming there are a little unethical. And I'm not just going to say, you know, uh, that all groups are. It's just right. a few that are being a lot unethical. They're and they're trespassing on private land. They're going into barns. They're into buildings. And so what I've been trying to do is reach out to these other instructors and just remind them that you know obtain permission. You know don't drive you know your vehicle in a in a field um, and don't go into a building in a barn. You know, yeah. the, the term abandoned, you know, like an abandoned farmhouse. People think, well, if it's abandoned, I can go in there. Well, you can't. No. It's still private property. And so, again, the majority of tour leaders that are there are, are, are good people, you know, and they respect, you know, the, uh, the private property. And uh, but just a few that have been doing this. And this last year in particular, we, we've, uh, you know, we've had a couple of farmers that have actually shut their land down. Because of just a few unethical photographers and or tour leaders. Right. It's disappointing, too, when you see people. I mean, I know everyone gets excited, but it's so important to be respectful. And if you don't have permission to, you know, stay off the property, don't be trampling over what you think is an abandoned home or barn or that type of thing. I just, yeah, that's really worrisome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's something else that's been happening probably the last year in particular. The Pullman Chamber, for I would say almost 20 years now, has promoted photography on the Plus. Mm-hmm. And I applaud them for all the work and reaching out and letting people know about the Plus. I mean, they advertise an outdoor photographer magazine, Sunset Magazine. But in the last few years, they provided a free map uh, of photo, tourist, uh, photo sites around the Palouse. And, uh, for instance, when you get this map, you look at it, and it will show a little symbol of a red barn. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and so then people get this free map, and they go to that location, and they assume, because it's on the map, that they can go into the barn and go up to the barn. They can go on the, on the land. And so the Pullman Chamber now has pulled that map because we, we want everybody, you know, to, if you, if you see a barn, you see a building, or there's a particular field you want to photograph, go to the landowner and obtain permission. Mm-hmm. And uh, 95% of the time, the farmer will give you the permission to be there and, uh, and just, you know, res- respect the farmer and, and their private property. But uh, like I said, because of a few people that have, you know, seen this map and they think it's an entitlement to go onto the property. Um, and that's why they pulled the map. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but so true. Mm-hmm. It's true. So can we talk about what's in your photography bag, what you're currently using for your own photography? Yeah, I'm, uh, 
again, I'm, I, 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 say I specialize in both wildlife and, and landscape, and I'm kind of drawn a bit between the two. Um, say one is my favorite or the other. I really can't do this. Like with my favorite child, I mean, I, right. I love, I, lo- I love photography. I love uh, landscape. I love you know doing wildlife uh, shooting, and, and so in, in my bag, I, I'm a Canon shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of excellent cameras out there. Nikon is excellent, ca- you know, camera. And um, but I've I've been a, a Canon shooter for many many years, and uh, so I've got the a variety of uh, camera bodies and lenses. You know, for my my uh, wildlife, for instance, I use what they call a Canon 7D Mark II with a a 600 millimeter lens, and also have a one to 400 millimeter lens. And you know, those combinations with that particular camera body, I think, is just excellent for you know for wildlife, for birds. Um, it just uh, it's just my my go to combination, mm-hmm. and for um, uh, you know my landscape, seascape, and a lot of I do a lot of night you know shooting now, um, and I use uh, my my full frame Canon five D Mark three and uh, sixteen to thirty five you know lens again a Canon lens and the seventy to two hundred lens. But I also stepped out a little bit, and I use a what is known as a Rokinon 14 oh. millimeter uh, f2.8. Now that's a very, very inexpensive lens. And again, I'm a Canon purist. I, I like Canon equipment, but right. that particular lens I recommend to a lot of my clients that come to the Plus you know, to shoot the Milky Way or the Northern Lights. Which, by the way, we get Northern Lights frequently in the Plus now. Oh, and, right. Um, yeah, and so um, uh, anyway, that Rokinon 14 millimeter f 2.8 is just a great uh, a great lens for doing night shooting. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's kind of my my go to combination for for night shooting. Uh, in terms of you know, you, I think you asked earlier about uh, you know like you know, tripod. You know, I mean, I think. People and need to be aware that one of the and the key elements of getting sharp images is having a solid tripod. Right. And so I I use a particular brand called the Really Right Stuff. It's an excellent uh, excellent tripod, excellent you know ball head that goes with it. And um, but a lot of people will they get a little lazy sometimes, even on the plus, and they'll they want a handhold. Well, that's just one more possible component to you know to getting a blurry image to try and hand hold when you should be using a tripod right are you using any filters as such I, I use filters um, you know primarily in you know, my polarizer I, I frequently use that you know for my landscape and then also I do I do workshops in, in other locations in like in California and Yellowstone and so if I'm doing any waterfalls or I'm doing any seascapes I use an ND filter or neutral density filter, what we call the big stopper. It's a 10 stop filter. You can't see through it with your eye. It's kind of right. like, the, you, know, you know, doing the, you know, the, uh, the eclipse this week, you know, um, oh, but yeah. uh, that one slows the water way down and the waves makes it very, very, very calming effect. Yeah, that's, that has a nice effect when it's really yes, slowing it everything down like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize you get the northern lights up there. That's 
<laughs> a, a lot, well, I shouldn't say this. We we had it. Uh, I got a, what I call a northern light alert last well this morning at one o'clock, and, and um, during the um, uh, Memorial Weekend, um, we had friends you know, staying there at, mm-hmm. uh, again at, at our farm, and I got the alert, and we grabbed cameras and out we went. Went to a lone tree. Real close to step to a butte, you know, of course, step to a butte is kind of that famous butte right. on the Palouse. And, and we went out there, and you, you want to aim north, and, and then, you know, 20 to 25 second exposure. And it was, it was an incredible shot. Uh, that wow. you, should, you know, remind me, and I'll send you a couple of I'll send you a couple of those prints. Oh, wonderful. So but then I went to what I call my favorite barn. Uh, when you were up there, I take it my favorite barn. I, you took that? me to a, a few barns, and that's what I really right. enjoyed, the access to right. the barns. Well, I went to my favorite barn, which is up on the hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a hill, it's it's all you know, it's, it's very pure. It's, it's all wood. There's no metal on it. And then during the Northern Lights, we were able to photograph that. And, and, the, and the Northern Lights were a beautiful green, a little uh-huh. bit of magenta, a little bit of Red. I mean, it went on and on the colors, and they lasted for hours. Hours. Again, we, I, nice. I, yes. Yeah. And and last night, I said we we got the Northern Light alert, and it's supposed to have one possibly tonight. Oh. Now, what what fools people on the plus when that comes to Northern Lights? And I've told many of my farmer friends we had Northern Lights last night, and they so they go outside and they sit there in their chair and they look north, and what do they see? They just see it looks like. You know, beams of white light right. through the sky. So, you know, your eyes won't usually pick up the color. It's unlike what you see when you go to Alaska or Canada. You know, you you can see the colors. You know, on the plus, what we typically see are looks like beams of light come over the hill and usually white. Mm-hmm. But when you have your camera and it's open for 20 to 25 seconds, you know, then you'll be surprised when you, you know, put that on your computer and the colors you know, that are going to pop out. And this is without adding anything in, in Photoshop or any of the post-processing. You know, the colors you get are outstanding. Oh, my goodness. Nice. Are you still doing the winter workshop in the blues, or you've kind of um, shifted to doing Yellowstone and the wildlife there? Yeah, I, I pretty much backed off on the winter uh, only because the... The, uh, the the snow has been so unpredictable. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. This last winter, we had a lot of snow. In fact, there was almost too much snow. You couldn't travel around. A lot of the roads were, were, were blocked. But the year before, we had just about a week of snow, and then after that, it melted, so we didn't have it. So it's very difficult you know, to yeah. try and schedule a winter workshop. Yeah, and, that does uh, make it. Yeah, and so what what I've been doing for the last several years now, I, I do I do a, a Yellowstone workshop in September, and I do it again in May. And, and uh, I used to be known as the Wildlife of Yellowstone workshop, but over the years, I've been, especially the last few years, you know, with um, doing a lot of night shooting, I've incorporated night shooting. Mm-hmm. You know, for instance, imagine going into Yellowstone, and you're, and you're standing outside, by Old Faithful at midnight, and you have a full moon, oh. and then and the, the moon illuminates Old Faithful when it when it goes off, wow. and but it also lights up the ground in front, behind, and the hills behind. Right. It's, it's 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 a it's a new kind of a magic I call it. 
That is, that does sound magical. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, actually, we we also go to uh, uh, one of the geysers there called uh, White Dome, and that goes off every 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so if, if there's a, a new moon, in other words, there is no moon out there illuminating anything, then it goes off every 45 minutes for about five to seven minutes, and then I light paint you know, the, the dome, and I light paint you know, the steam coming out and uh, with the Milky Way over the top of it. I mean, that's... It's really an exciting, you know, um, expansion into you know new shooting. And then you're doing some uh, workshops you mentioned in California. Yes, I the last uh, about the last four years I've been doing a workshop in Monterey, Big Sur, and Morro Bay, and that's really a smorgasbord of subjects. We have seascapes, uh, uh, sunrises, sunsets, elephant seals. Uh, monarch butterflies, shorebirds, otters. Uh, it goes on and on. I mean, it's, it's just such a variety uh, of subjects to shoot from. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that, uh, that's, I haven't set the dates yet, but it's going to be in February. It's always in February. It's right. good, good time to get away from the cold country and go down south. Right, exactly. Get a break. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Um, then I do a workshop uh, every January in in San Diego. Uh, I say San Diego because that's where we're, you know we we fly into, but we're, we're usually at um, La Jolla. We stay at La Jolla, and we shoot pelicans for two days. Then we go to uh, something called Santee Lakes, hmm. and that's in, in about a half hour in from San Diego uh, east. And uh, there, there are seven lakes, and you have a lot of migratory birds that fly in there. Uh, and that's just a lot of fun. We get ospreys, and we get uh, wood ducks, and uh, cormorants, and just goes on and on the things we can shoot. Yeah, I try to limit most of my groups to six, but no more than eight. Um, especially when you're, when you're doing night workshops. You don't want a lot of people out there stumbling around, and you don't want people, you know, you're, you're trying to you know, coordinate, especially night shooting. Because oh, when you're right. doing night shooting, you know, I'm light painting, so everybody has to fire off at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to light paint and trying to coordinate people that are, you know, again, in the dark. They hadn't done this before. And so they're just learning how to, again, focus in the dark. They're learning how to compose in the dark. And, um, and then they're learning how to operate their cameras in the dark. What elements do you feel are most important in composing a strong image, something that's memorable? Uh, for, you know, so I, I can divide that into day or night shooting or, or wildlife. I mean, I could, uh, let's say, talk about wildlife, you know, doing, doing wildlife, um, when I, when I take people into Yellowstone and we're photographing, let's say, you know, uh, elk in September, the elk are in the rut and they're battling and they're looking pretty majestic, you know, and here's a beautifully, you know, you know a, a beautiful animal walking by, you know, and then people get, you know, you know, they, they don't actually see all four corners. I'm always telling my clients, look at all four corners of your, of your, uh, of your image and, and then make sure there aren't branches growing out of the antlers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not, nothing there touching. Uh, you know, I always want separation between you know, my, my subject and anything surrounding that. Is there certain things that are more important in a, in a night image? Yeah, again, a night image, when, when people go out for the first time, like I said earlier, they're, they're a little apprehensive. You know, nobody wants to 
almost like they're the newbie. They're the person who doesn't know how to do something. And so I always assure everybody, you know, we all had to learn how to do night shooting, you know, and so we're all going to make mistakes and we're going to do little silly things. But mm -hmm. once you, you know, you, you know, you, you learn how to, uh, you know, focus in the dark, and that's very critical. You got to know again how how to focus in the dark because you want your stars nice and round. You don't want your stars A shaped. You don't want uh, you know your your exposure too long, or you'll get you know the, the beginning of star trails. You don't want that. So you right. want nice round points of light for your for your stars. But then when it comes to composition, I, again, a lot of people look up and they see this explosive looking Milky Way with billions of stars in there. And they, and they fire away, they're excited about it, but there's nothing to anchor that to. Right. So what I, what I try and do, again, I'm, I use my 14 millimeter lens. So I'll take somebody out, again, like to our, our, our field, and here's my, my um, windmill, for instance, or I have this old 1941 international truck on the hill. Oh, nice. And the 14 millimeter lens, we're back quite a ways. Sure, the windmill's going to look small, and so is the you know, the truck, but what you have is this vibrant Milky Way in, in all the colors and all the billions of stars, you know, going over the top of the, of the windmill or the truck. And, and then I call that truck or, you know, or the uh, windmill, my anchor. Right. You know, I was trying to think the other day was out with, with somebody and there were two poplar trees, um, you know, way down this road. And I had, I had the group, you know, aiming towards, you know, the poplar trees, putting that in the lower left-hand corner of, of, their, uh, of their frame. And then here's this Milky Way going to the top. Oh. And one of, the, one of the, you know, the clients commented, well, that, the trees aren't, aren't large enough. I said, just take the shot and tell me what you've got after you, you capture the image. And, of course, they loved it because, you know, the, you know, the, the, the star, so to speak, is the Milky Way. And, right. and then the anchor was the, you know, the these two uh, uh, two uh, poplar trees. Right. So, do you have plans yourself to maybe put together a book someday of some of your work? Oh yeah, I, I'm working on that right now. I'm working on a couple different books. Oh, um, fabulous! Yeah, yeah. And then also back, I think, back to your question about composition. You know, like on the Palouse, I mean, everybody knows about Steptoe Butte. Everybody goes to Steptoe Butte. I take my clients to Steptoe Butte as well. But one mistake that people make up there is that they're shooting wide angle. Mm -hmm. They have too much in their in their image. So I'm always encouraging people to bring a telephoto lens. The telephoto lens you can compress your hills, so it gives you more definition, shows more texture, and you can isolate a particular subject. You know, for instance, one I'm thinking of right now is, you know, there's off a step to butte. I can uh, think of, a, for instance, a red barn off to the left side, and I'll put that on the left side of, of, of an image, and, and again, kind of an anchor, and they'll have people shoot vertically, and, and they'll try and uh, not have too much clutter. You know, right. that's, again, a common thing that people will, will do on step to butte or other uh, areas around the Palouse. Yeah, they try to almost include too much, and then mm -hmm. your eye kind of doesn't have a place to rest. That's right. It's too busy. So what influences do you hope to have on people when they come and take one of these Palouse workshops? Wow, I'm trying to think. Uh, my influence, again, again, I always try and do it based on 
my shooting style. I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, get people to shoot like I should want them to be original. And when I go somewhere, uh, I, I'm not the kind of person that wants to go out there and capture what I've seen that somebody else has captured. I want to encourage originality. I want it for myself, go out and get an original shot. If it's wildlife, I want to try and get that wildlife, uh, you know, showing emotion and doing something differently, mm-hmm. not a stagnant shot. And, and so I always want to, again, when I do my wildlife uh, uh, in Yellowstone workshop, I'm you know, sure they have to get their, what they call their tourist shot. If they've never been to Yellowstone, they've never photographed an elk, okay, photograph the elk standing there. But after that, now let's get serious. Let's get that animal you know, coming towards you. Not close, obviously, but right. you know, coming towards you, crossing the river, battling, bugling, doing something that shows action and shows emotion. And so, again, that's my style. It's what I try to instill in a lot of my, a lot of my clients. Looking for something beyond. Right. And, and I, I use a term, I've been using this for a number of years now, I call it baseline shooting. If you go out and you shoot, you know, your, your first, uh, say, a bison in Yellowstone, and it could be a, an excellent shot, or it could be a mediocre shot, it's your only shot, it's your baseline. So now I want you to try and improve upon that. If you have the bison standing there, great, take it. And then, but now I get that, again, like I said, like with the elk, try and get it going across a river, trying to get it rolling, trying to get it, in a, you know, doing something that's you know, showing action and showing emotion, not just, that, again, that stagnant image that so many, so many people try and capture, or not try and capture, but end up capturing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, I'm, but I'm, again, I, I always challenge myself and I always challenge my, my clients, you know, to, you know, realize that I don't believe there's any, any perfect shot. If there were a perfect shot, we'd go out and get the shot or put a camera away. For me, I'm always out there challenging myself. I'm excited about the images I get, you know, and, and it, my baseline goes way up there. I said, wow, I've got this image of the elk battling, you know, a sparring in a river. Right. You know, and the water is flying, you know, flying around, and, and you can feel the emotion. It's an exciting shot. Well, that's exciting for so long, but then I want to improve on it the next time. Um, I mean, if, you know, if we didn't have something to improve on, you know, with, again, like I said, with just, you know, once we got the shot, put our camera down and forget it. We're all done. Right. Uh, no. <laughs> well, well, and a good example, too, is that I was out photographing, um, this year we had a number, number of um, uh, sunflower fields on the Palouse, which is oh. unusual. But uh, yeah, had a couple of farmers have planted, you know, several hundreds of acres of sunflowers. And I was out there during the sunset. I was out there at sunrise because sunflowers will face east. Mm-hmm. And so if you get there you know, at the wrong time of day, you, you not get the proper light on. So then I went out there one evening and I photographed uh, the sunflowers uh, under the stars with, oh. with a crescent moon. And then I did a little bit of light painting on the sunflowers. You know, to me, that was a shot I didn't have. Right. And, and, and see, am I happy with the image? Yeah, I am. But I'm going to go back out. I'm going to try and do it again with a little different lighting. And I'm going to change my position. So, again, always challenging myself, but always challenging my clients to do the same thing. Yeah, that's and that's interesting because you're right. The sunflowers, I don't think I'd seen those types of images coming from the Palouse recently. So that's nice. That's right. Well, you know, when you were there, and I believe, you, didn't you take a picture of that red barn? Yes. 
uh-huh. from the hill, right? Okay, well, that same particular farmer, which I don't want to name, right? No, <laughs> I don't no. Want to <laughs> overwhelmed with all these photographers going there, but anyway, he is uh, the one that planted just hundreds of acres of sunflowers behind his house over the hill. Now those are already done. You know, they've already you know they're beyond peak, and, and then he also you know planted several hundreds of acres down the road. And again, one of my farmer friends called me and told me about that. That's the other advantage of living on the Palouse. I frequently get calls from my, my farmer neighbors, you know, telling me, you know, what the fields are like, what they planted. You know, for instance, canola. I mean, that beautiful canola plant. Um, you know, I had a call from a farmer in, in uh, early June this year, you know, saying, come on out. I've got this stand of canola, this, this field of canola which was vibrant yellow, I mean, just so bright. And then I had fresh plowed ground. In other words, that should be in dirt, but it was nice and brown. And behind that, I had winter wheat, which is very dark. I mean, the composition to me was Uh, really exciting and it really popped and it showed emotion. And uh, uh, so that's why it's always nice to have, you know, know, the the farmers in the place, I think, are incredible farmers. They're friendly, they've got great values. And they're more than willing to, you know, just like they like to share what they what they're doing, you know, as long as people respect their property. Right, exactly. So describe a typical day on one of your Palouse workshops, just to give people okay, a so my, my, Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, the one, the ones I do in I, I do in June. Um, again, I do five of those, um, you know, back to back. Those are five day workshops, and. and um, we typically, at least one morning, we want to be on Steptoe Butte at, at, at sun, before sunrise, a half hour before sunrise. And so we're up there at, it might be, you know, four o'clock in the morning. You know, that's in June. Of course, mm-hmm. the longest day is in June. And, and uh, so we want to be there as the as the sun is coming over, you know, over what we call McCroskey State Park in Idaho. Right. So we want to be there. And then if we happen to have clouds, then we may get what we call the God race, you know, shining through the clouds. And uh, then on, on Step to a Butte, early in the morning, you know, you're going to have long, long shadows across there. So I always try and tell my, uh, my clients, let's, you, let's use our telephone lenses. Let's figure out, you know, something, a subject that you want to capture and, and, then, and then, you know, shoot that particular field or subject with the longer shadows, but you know, a half hour later, the shadows get smaller and smaller and smaller. And, um, and we'll spiral around step to up. We'll go to a lower level and we'll shoot and then we'll drop, we'll spiral around again to another level and we'll shoot again. Um, so that's just one morning. We get very, very early into an absolute sunrise at step to up. Other mornings we're out about, uh, I would say, uh, five thirty or five o'clock. We don't want to be in some of these valleys too soon because the shadows do not eliminate, uh, will not eliminate the barns or our subject. So most days we're we're shooting from about, you know, 5 or 5.30 a.m. And we shoot until about 11 uh, a.m. And then I give everybody a break until 3 p.m. I'm just not a big fan of shooting in harsh light. Right. And so then we shoot from 3 p.m. until uh, until sunset. But then we're then we're going to barns. We're going to uh, again. I use that term: abandoned um, farmhouses, grain elevators, uh, uh, lone trees, uh, vintage vehicles. Again, there's there's also a smorgasbord of places we go to. 
Um, and then, and my June workshops, those are not advertised as being uh, a night workshop, but I give everybody the option if they want to you know, go out and shoot the night sky, you know, we'll include that and, and at our farm, again, called Wheatland Farm, six miles outside of Colfax. Uh, and in our field, I, I put up by the windmill. I put, put up the... You know, the, you know the uh, international truck. I've got two vintage uh, vintage tractors there. I have old wagons, oh you know, goodness. freight wagons with the wagon wheels, and, and uh, so what a great place to teach people how to do night shooting. Right. So then, those that want to, you know, go out one evening and again with no experience, I take them out there and, and I sh- again show them how to focus in the dark. I show them how to, uh, you know, uh, compose in the dark. And then I, I challenge them, you know, to try different settings. You know, they're, they're typical settings for night shooting. You know, that I would start people at, and that's 3200 ISO. And I tell them, you know, f2.8, and I tell them, you know, 25 seconds, and then, you know, capture the shot. And now let's go ahead and shorten the time. Let's go ahead and change our ISO to a different. Uh, you know, different setting. Let's go from vertical. Let's go horizontal. Um, so I want them to feel comfortable, you know, so they, they know how to do night shooting. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, like I said, that is, that's merely an optional thing I do in, in my June workshops and tours. So are there things that you do personally to keep your energy up during all of these <laughs> workshops? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's, uh, see, this year I, I went from secret. five. <laughs> yeah, well, well, this year I went from, from five to three workshops in June. Uh, I used to do five back to back. And then foolishly people uh, would contact me and I would say, you know, well, they would contact me and say, well, I see you have a day off. <laughs> Can we hire you for that day off? Right. And, and I've I've traveled all the way from wherever. I've had people come from Germany, Australia, New Zealand, and they and, and they say, well, I've come this far. Can we hire you for the day? Uh-huh. And, and uh, okay, well, I, I'm gonna, I've stopped doing that because uh, I was averaging probably four hours sleep a night. Wow. And that's not enough. No, <laughs> so, uh, I was gonna say <laughs> unless you're Superman <laughs> underneath. That's right. <laughs> But, but what also energizes me is that, uh, for instance, I'm going to uh, you know, uh, go out starting Sunday, and I'm going to go out and I'm going to shoot the night sky for the next seven days. Oh. Um, just going to invite a couple of friends, and we're going to go out and we're going to photograph around the Palouse. And uh, the, I mean, that's where I get to get my shooting in. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, like the, the, the other night, a farmer friend, um, he parked his tractor on the hill for us because we, we had a, a red alert for the uh, northern lights. And so he, he drove his tractor way out there a few miles from his farm, put it up on the hill for us, oh. and just and just so we could get some you know, northern light shots. So we're, if we're facing north from northern lights, and... Uh, and then we turned around, we got the other side of the tractor, and we shot the other direction, and there was the Milky Way, the other direction. And so this is what I plan on doing this next week, is to get a lot of my own shooting in, because uh, you know, I, I have a real passion for photography, and I have a passion for teaching, but you know, I want to make sure that I, I get enough of my own in. Oh, definitely. 
Yeah, you have to. Your trigger finger is going to get too itchy. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So are there... Go ahead. Well, this sounds like a little little strange, but I I do tell my clients, when when I I, I get really excited when I see my clients and come to the Palouse and let's say for night shooting and they're capturing, you know, uh, the Northern Lights and the Milky Way and I'm without a camera. And, and they're getting these really great shots. I'm living a lot of my photography through my clients, but to see them grow and to see them capture phenomenal images. And I've had a lot of clients that have left the Palouse, left one of my workshops, entered, entered their their um, image in a photo contest and taken first place. That's pretty exciting to me. You know, so it's, uh, you know, that's how I'm living a lot of my photography through my clients. But again, I got to get out there and do my own and get my own shots. And, and, uh, and, and, uh, if you were to come back over, you, you need to come over here and we need to go out. We need to do some nice shooting and, and yeah, we do. You'll, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about when you sit out there and it's the Milky Way. You can reach out and touch it. You hear the coyotes out there. Oh my it's goodness. just, you don't hear any, any road noise. It's, wow. it's very, you know, it's very relaxing. That's incredible. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. So are there other locations in the United States that you haven't traveled to as a photographer that you'd like to go? Well, you know, <laughs> well, that's kind of one, one reason I'm kind of, you know, you know, reducing the number of workshops I'm doing. Uh, but, but like I mentioned, the Monterey Big Sur Moral Bay workshop, it's only been four years now. And, and but that's very relaxing and, um, but a lot, of, a lot of the national parks are getting pretty crazy, and, mm-hmm. and you might have read about that. And, and so some of the parks, you know, where I wanted to go before and photograph or to take groups to, I'm not going to do it just because they're getting just too overwhelmed with uh, with photographers. And uh, I mean, I like to go out and again capture that that unique image, you know, that you know that I can create. And so, yeah, great. So have you put up your 2018 dates yet, or you're still working on those for the... That's what I'm working on, uh, actually, today. Oh, perfect. Okay. <laughs> working on, yeah. Uh, um, the last year, you know, I, uh, you know, well, for instance, my Yellowstone trip, I mean, that was, uh, it was, sure it was on my, on my website, but actually filled, you know, by, by former clients. A lot mm-hmm. of my workshops are filled by former clients that contact me and ask about a workshop, and so I give them preference. Right. And so my September Yellowstone workshop, yeah, everybody's coming to that is somebody who's been with me before the Yellowstone or the Blues or other areas. And then last year when I went to Monterey, Big Sur, and Morrill Bay, you know, everybody who came to that, that was kind of an invitation only uh, of clients that had been or have attended one of my other workshops. Yeah, that makes sense. That's great. Yeah, I mean, so but I should have my 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 website up uh, updated real soon, and uh, you know, with uh, again the plus for next year um, for 2018, right? And then the same with uh, in Yellowstone, and then some other other uh, offerings I'm going to be doing. Yeah. So Jack's website, if anyone's wanting to sign up for one of his incredible Palouse workshops or learn night photography in an amazing location, um, the website is fourseasonsphototours.com. And you just want to put the HTTPS colon slash slash 
Um, when you put some of the other characters, it sometimes doesn't bring it up right away. So make sure, and I'll put this in the show notes as well. So if you check the podcast show notes. And Jack, are you still, I believe you're still doing some rooms at your farm? Yes. Again, our farm For is the known clients. as the uh, Wheatland the- Farm. And okay. it's also, it's a licensed B&B. And so it's called Wheatland Farm B&B. Okay. And uh, People it's, can it's find a large that farmhouse. And there's, there's five bedrooms there. And, and uh, uh, for instance, in, for, for 2018, you know, some of my, uh, my offerings for my night uh, private workshops you know, uh, will be, we'll, we'll stay there and then we just walk out the door, walk into our field, and, and that's where we spend day one is, is photographing you know, from our, uh, our, uh, our farm. Oh, nice. Yep. So can we give that website too? Though it's wheatlandbnb.com. Yeah, Wheatland Farm BNB. Wheatland Farm BNB.com. So if you yep. wanted to stay yep. there and take a workshop from Jack, you've got a win-win situation there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And my other website again, the Four Seasons Photo Tour is my LLC, and Plus Country Photo Tours is a registered trade name, and uh, that particular um, website is. Real simple. It's just palousetours.com. Oh, that is simple. Palouse, P-A-L-O-U-S-E, tours.com. Yep. That is super easy. And all of them will connect to each other. I've got them all linked you know, to one another. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time, Jack. It was wonderful to catch up with you. And I'm going to need to check my vacation schedule and see when I can come up and take a night workshop with you. It sounds incredible. Well, if you, again, if you have time this summer, just come over and you can stay with us. And and uh, it won't be, be a workshop. I'll just invite you to come in and stay there, and we'll go out and shoot together. Yeah, that would be wonderful. As Great. long as I'm blindfolding you, you can't go back to these locations. As what? <laughs> no, no. As long as I blindfold you, you yeah, can't go exactly. back to these locations. Yeah, exactly. No, that's fine. No, no. <laughs> you know, no, that's, no, that's all right. <laughs> I understand. You uh, feel like that because sometimes these hidden places, you it is, it's that fine line. Of, and I'm sure you, it's a challenge for the Palouse and the chamber as well of wanting to protect what's there and yet allow people to enjoy it so as as photographers please everyone you know be responsible be respectful and you know either go with someone that's gotten permission by signing up for our workshop or tour or you know find that person yourself i mean don't just go trampling on and assume that it's empty and barren and it's a (laughs) free-for-all so well thank you again so much jack have a wonderful rest of your day and thanks for joining me on eyes for the road Cool. Well, thank you. And, and again, keep in touch. Good love to have you come out and, and you can capture your own, your own images. Yes, definitely, Jack. Thank you.